On this episode of the podcast, I'm joined by Furkan Dandia to discuss how going through a divorce started him on his mental health journey. Through seeing a therapist, Furkan started to dive into his childhood and how it had shaped the man that he had become. Working through his own challenges inspired him to share his journey with others by talking about mental health and helping other men find self-love. I hope you enjoy. Everyone, welcome to journey number 31. Today I have Furkan Dandia on the show and um, I haven't done an episode in a little while, so I'm excited to get back on it and really excited for this episode because um, I think Furkan and I talk about a lot of similar things and have a lot of, you know, just play in the in a similar realm. And so I'm interested to get his perspective, learn a little bit more about him. And um, to start off, you know, Furkan, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, introduce yourself, um, yeah, and kind of what you're doing right now. Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me, uh, Jared. I appreciate it. Um, so yeah, my name is Furkan Dandia. I'm currently based in Calgary, Alberta. Um, and uh, <laughs> during the day, I work as a, uh, a oil and gas professional. And then in the evenings, I try to, uh, you know, jump into like coaching. Uh, I'm studying psychology part-time. Uh, so I'm really looking to help other men who kind of struggle with mental health. Uh, and, and the reason why I'm inspired is going through my own journey of divorce and struggling with uh, mental health and isolation. Um, and, and that's really inspired me to help other people who may be in similar situations or, or maybe struggling in different ways. So, so that's a little bit about myself. Um, yeah, uh, just, and then also part-time podcaster like yourself. So yeah, just trying to get the message out there, um, especially around men's mental health and share other people's stories of adversity or, or how they've been able to overcome things and, and normalize those conversations that we typically uh, have avoided or are afraid to have uh, just because of uh, you know, shying from being vulnerable. Uh, so that's kind of my goal is making uh, vulnerability more common and, uh, and yeah, making psychology cool. Great. I, I love it. And yeah. vulnerability has been a big part of my journey as well. And um, you touched on it a little bit, but I'd, I'd love to go, you know, deeper on, you know, kind of what started your mental health journey. And you said, you know, it kind of stemmed from, you know, some of your own experiences going through a divorce and, you know, me being from Calgary as well, I, I do know a little bit of that, you know, corporate culture, especially oil and gas, where mm -hmm. there isn't necessarily a lot of space for things mm -hmm. like mental health, especially men's mental health, vulnerability. Um, can you go a little bit more into that of, you know, specifically your journey and what pushed you in this direction and as well to do it in public? Because I think mm -hmm. there's a big difference between you know, going through this and working on yourself, you know, privately mm -hmm. and going and actually putting a message out and, you know, sharing it with others and, you know, potentially trying to help others as well. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah. I think, you know, just going through the motions uh, when I was separating and uh, you know, people started hearing about what was going on in my personal life and um, throughout my career at, until that point, my goal was to always keep my personal life separate from my professional life. And uh, for me, I had all these aspirations of become a, becoming a leader in, in uh, the corporate world. And, you know, there was this image you had to maintain of 
kind of almost having everything together, having the perfect uh, family life and, and all of that. And for me, it was really hard uh, realizing that, hey, I wasn't one of those men anymore uh, that kind of, you know, you looked up to in, in those corporate structures. Um, and I don't know if if it was more the organization pressure, organizational pressure I felt, or it was pressure I was putting on myself. I think it was a bit of both, but I really uh, struggled in silence. Uh, I was going into work and pretending like everything was fine when it wasn't. Um, and, and it was almost like living a split personality, which was really hard. Uh, it, it, it became really hard. And, um, and then when I came out of it, and obviously I was going for therapy throughout all of it, um, which really helped. But when I came out of it and kind of started looking back, I was like, wow, like that was incredibly hard. And just putting on a show, <clears throat> it didn't feel real. I, I wasn't being authentic with myself. I wasn't being authentic with other people. Um, I, you know, it was just, I wasn't able to look at, <clears throat> excuse me, look at myself in the mirror and be happy with what I was seeing. So that's where it really came in where I was, okay, well, how am I going to be vulnerable first? And then how can I uh, demonstrate that for other people? So, you know, the way I started looking at it is like, if I can normalize the fact that I'm going for therapy and I'm struggling and I need help and I want to talk about it, maybe someone else may feel empowered. And then, you know, if, even if you could help one person, that could spread. So that's how I started looking at it and um, recognizing that, you know, there's probably, obviously there's other men who are going through similar situations, whether it's a divorce or a stress with job security, especially the way the oil and gas market has been over the last several years. Um, there's a lot of pressure on people, uh, men and women, to, to kind of maintain their employment, but there's stress that comes with it. So, you know, whether it's divorce, job security, or anything that men may be struggling with, um, how can I help them? And, and it doesn't mean that <clears throat> they need to work with me, or it's just making it normal in terms of being able to have these conversations. Um, and that's kind of the goal of my podcast, too, is to have men come and share their stories where if other people are listening, they can be like, oh, wow, okay, I'm not the only one. And that's really the goal is to recognize that you are not alone or you are not the only one. And for me, doing a full circle here, but when I was going through that whole uh, struggle at work and, and separating, I felt like I was the only one. And that's why I needed to keep it private and hide hide that information. So, so it's really making sure that people recognize that you're not alone and you're not the only one going through it. And someone could relate if you really needed to help, ask for help or talk about it. For sure. And, you know, like there's, there's a couple points in there that are super important. And that last one was huge in my life as well, where, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of the things that I struggled with, I felt like I was the only one that struggles with it. Mm -hmm. And it, it was kind of, you know, like its own cycle. And for me, a huge thing, and it's something that I dug into a lot was the idea of shame and how much shame, you know, I gave or I put on myself and I shamed myself for the different, my different struggles, my different, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. And because I felt alone, because I felt like I was the only one struggling with this, it added more shame 
which mm-hmm. you know then made me struggle even more, which then led to more shame. And I lived my life for a long time with that. And mm-hmm. just going and realizing that a lot of these things are very common. Yeah. And, you know, you don't need that isolation. And, um, you know, I, I think it's such an important thing and something that I try to do as well is talk about these real subjects, these, you know, core things that not a lot of people talk about to let everyone know that they're not alone. And mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say the shame piece is absolutely important to recognize. And, and I carried a lot of shame. And again, you know, looking back and, and trying to talk to other people, you know, when you're on the outside, it's easier to see, but when you're actually dealing with it, I I can understand how hard it is. So even when I'm talking to other friends or men that I know are struggling, you know, it's really, it is easy for me to tell them guys, like, just be vulnerable. Don't carry that shame. Don't be, don't feel, carry this guilt of, of making certain choices, but until you don't internalize it, 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 it is hard, right? And shame is huge because we, we, we often like, we've been programmed to, to be selfless, right? And, and then the second you do something where you're upsetting a whole bunch of people, even though you know internally that this is something that makes the most sense for you, you start carrying that shame. And, and that's what it was like for me. I was like, oh, I'm breaking my family apart. My parents aren't happy with it. My, our, our common friends aren't happy. Uh, people at work are going to look at me differently. And it was like this whole concept of shame that I was putting on myself. Yeah. And that's huge. You know, there's so many, you know, call them almost rules mm-hmm. that, you know, were, that are put on us. And that was one that came to mind for me as you touched on family mm-hmm. and, you know, feeling shame for needing to put up boundaries with my family Mm -hmm. feeling shame for needing time away from them you know Mm -hmm. it's you're always told well they're your family you know Mm -hmm. well that's your mom well that's your dad well that's your sister so you essentially what people tell you to do is abandon yourself Mm -hmm. you know you need to deploy self-abandonment and do it because it doesn't matter how it affects you negatively uh you need to spend time with them or you need to do this for them or whatever it might be because they're your family and really taking it even to that extreme. Like mm-hmm. sometimes you need space away from your family. Sometimes your family isn't healthy for you or your mental right. health. Um, and sometimes you need to do things for yourself that are going to upset those people. Yeah. Yeah. And you touched on something really important that I've uh, kind of toyed with and, and I kind of put it on one of my uh, Instagram posts too, is the whole, by, by putting boundaries, you're also you know, you have this fear of abandonment from other people, right? So because of this fear of abandonment, you're abandoning yourself. And it's recognizing, okay, like, which one, (laughs) which one is the worst, right? And and really putting thought into that. For sure. And, you know, like, for for my story, it's essentially how I lived my whole life was Mm -hmm. abandoning myself and really kind of it came to a head when one day I asked myself the question, like, you know, who would I actually be if I wasn't living for others? And I didn't have an answer. I had no idea who I actually was because my entire life was, you know, result or sorry, revolved around impressing others or, you know, getting them to like me or, you know, being the person that I thought they wanted me to be. And I had no mm-hmm. idea who my true 
selfless. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the people pleasing aspect that comes in. And, and, and one of the things I try to do, or when I'm working with men is identifying where, what the source of that is. Right. And for me, I'm a huge uh, supporter of childhood trauma. And I believe personally, I believe that a lot of our, like the, the source of our issues come from childhood. Right. And, and we've all experienced some form of trauma and, and you know, I know people kind of cringe at the word trauma, but I mean, even the smallest thing can be traumatic for us if it was in our childhood, right? And, and it's all uh, subjective. Uh, you know, your experience might be different than mine and one may not be worse than the other, but it, it all comes from there, right? And even people-pleasing behavior, it, it's something that we inherit from childhood and we carry it on into our adult life and it comes into our romantic relationships or relationships with friends and family, even at work. So it's, uh, you know, it's good that you've recognized that. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of people don't. Um, and then they keep repeating the same behaviors and patterns and they keep wondering why things don't change. Yeah, it's, it's huge. And it's, you know, what I spent and have spent the majority of my time in therapy digging into. In my childhood, the different experiences, you know, the decisions I made about myself as a 12 year old boy that, you know, I took as truths, but, you know, I forgot that those were decisions. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it's just, it's cr incredible to me, the effects that, you know, things can have and that we push them down so deeply. And if you don't, actually go looking for them if you don't actually go and dig into them and deal with them they just show like you said they show up again and again and again and yeah. you know you keep making the same mistake it's you know this it seems like the same story is playing over and over and over again um because you know the way that i think of it is you don't address the root right you don't address, address the root of the problem there's lots of branches that come off that you know they'll mm -hmm. manifest themselves just like you said in romantic relationships professionally um, whatever it might be, there's so many of them in different ways that they show up. But if you never address that root, new branches are going to grow, right? Mm -hmm. And they're going to keep coming back. Doesn't matter how much you snip them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's also recognizing that, you know, what I try to tell people is like, don't be so hard on yourself. Like, you know, sometimes you need to go through that journey of keep having those learning moments in life. And, and at some point, you know, and I was kind of in that situation where I was like, okay, this is enough, right? Like, what am I doing here? And what do I need to change? And until you don't get to that point, you don't really dig deep and find that root, uh, as you said. Um, and sometimes people are just afraid to go there because of the answers they may get, or, or it's just, they've tucked it away so far that they just don't want to, uh, you know, kind of open it up and, have to face some of those hard truths from whether it was from childhood or or later on in life uh we do we are programmed that way our brains function that way where it brain's purpose is to protect us so we we tuck away these issues and a lot of people are afraid to go there and and it's unfortunate but it's reality too right for sure you know and that's one of the things i tell people all the time is you know, working on yourself, digging into those, you know, real things, those root issues, it's fucking tough. <laughs> you know, it's not easy. It's yeah. you know, some of the hardest work that I've ever done in my life. And it's slow. It's slow. Yeah. It's painful. It's difficult. 
And, you know, I think that's why a lot of people stay away from it. Um, but, you know, I always tell them what becomes of it is truly life-changing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, yes, it's painful going through them and actually working through them, but it eliminates so much of the pain that you carry in your everyday life. And, you know, I'm, I'm curious going back a little bit to your story of, mm-hmm. um, you know, for me, as I've done a lot of reflecting over the last couple of weeks, I realized how much of my life I lived in extreme pain and carrying pain with my, with me. And, um, what I would do is shove it down. You know, mm-hmm. I don't have to deal with that. I'm going to turn off all of my emotions and, you know, I would engage in numbing out activities. I would, you know, do anything that it, I needed to, mm-hmm. to try to make myself feel good or, you know, just hide that pain. And I didn't even realize that that's what I was doing. I didn't realize that, you know, the true feelings that I was feeling that were in my gut, um, I didn't realize just how intense they were and how long I carried them with myself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I'm curious in your story, I know that the separation kind of kicked that off, but when you were reflecting, do you think that you were struggling with a lot of the things that you went into before that and weren't aware of it? Or, you know, was that kind of the catalyst that just allowed you to do more self-discovery that led to um, working through some of those, those past experiences? Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's fairly complex, but I think it came to a point where, you know, um, in the initial stages of separation, there kind of, it was, it was like a wave, you know, uh, up and down, but there was moments where I you know, I uh, play the victim in my mind. I'm like, oh, why is this happening to me? Like, you know, uh, I've done nothing wrong. And, <clears throat> and uh, you know, it, it, I remember like having those moments of being the victim and at one point realizing that, okay, well, you know, I have a role in this, like probably a huge role. And I can sit here and blame others and just keep moving on with my life or I can take this opportunity to understand what role did I play? And that's where it really forced me to dig deep and understand what were the things I was doing. And, and, and when I said it's complex, it's, you know, with romantic relationships, I was kind of uh, manifesting the, the same patterns because of uh, my childhood experiences of seeking approval. So I was putting myself in these relationships where I was constantly um, creating the belief or the, uh, uh, I guess the, the main theme was I wasn't good enough. So I would keep doing things over and over uh, to get that approval from my partner. And, and then it, it just became this <clears throat> dance between me and my partner where you know I would get criticized so I would like bend over backwards to get their approval and and it was recognizing where that came from and so that was one part of it and then the other part was just um I had again from childhood taken on this caretaker role and because of that I had abandoned myself and the way that would manifest is I would get angry, but it wasn't like I was, and then until I didn't do the work, I didn't realize that I was angry with myself for abandoning my own feelings and, 
and what I wanted because I was always worried about caretaking. So again, you know, going through therapy and really digging deep and, and you know, recalling some very hard uh, situations from my childhood, I didn't recognize that, you know, this is what the pattern has been my entire life. Um, and then coming to the realization that, you know, I did what I had to do as a child to protect myself and it's no one's fault. Um, and, and, you know, having grace and compassion for that child and, uh, and forgiving, uh, my parents. And that was a process in itself, but, you know, it was so liberating when, when you have even having those conversations with my parents being like, Hey, you know, this happened and, you know, I forgive you guys. I know it wasn't your fault. Uh, and also telling myself that at the end of the day, whatever happened, happened, like, you know, yes, it was nobody's fault, but it is my responsibility now as an adult to deal with it and make the changes so I don't keep repeating the same uh, behaviors or patterns. For sure. And that's, that's extremely powerful. And, you know, it's something that I've, I've been going through as well is looking at my parents as human beings instead mm -hmm. of my parents and you know yeah. taking almost taking away and trying to really internalize the fact and forgiving them in mm -hmm. you know not blaming them and acknowledging that you know some of the things that happened um you know caused me to do this or to think like this or caused these issues later on in life and like you were talking about at the beginning, one thing that I've really grabbed onto is that idea of almost extreme ownership. Mm -hmm. uh, even if, if it's not quote unquote, my fault, uh, I can still take ownership over it. I can take the, the power back over that instead of it. This is something that happened to me is taking responsibility, taking, you know, how, how could I have shown up differently or how can I show up differently now? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think it's something that not a lot of people want to do is yeah. you know, say, I'm taking ownership for how I showed up. Yeah. And have you run into that? And in those cases, you know, how, what do you say to those people where they say, well, that's not my fault. All right. That's, you know, that yeah. was another person. I mean, yeah. I mean, when people say that, uh, you know, I agree with them. I say, yeah, it is not your fault. But at the end of the day, it's your responsibility, right? Like, uh, and that's the same thing when, you know, someone like, even if <laughs> you're driving and someone cuts you off or flips you the finger, like, yeah, it's not your fault that they're being difficult or, or whatever, uh, but it is your choice on how you react. Yeah. Right. So if you're going to re react and do the exact same thing, you're no different than them. So you can't be mad at them because now you've done the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, or you could choose to let it go and that's completely in, in your control. Right. So, so I remember going through that when I was getting therapy and really, uh, trying to figure things out. Uh, I think one of the things that resonated with me the most was hearing David Goggins story. And, you know, he talked about how abusive his dad was when he was a child and almost, you know, recognizing at one point where he said, you know, yeah, his dad did terrible things or whatever but at the end of the day who he chooses to be as an adult is his responsibility and and you can sit there and you can blame and you can pass on the buck but it's your life right and these people even our parents yeah they did the best they could but 
at the point we are in our lives, they're not there to hold our hands or even if we keep blaming them, there's nothing they can do for you to live your life differently. So, you know, and to your point, you could take that power back, right? Like at the end of the day, by taking ownership and really choosing how you want to live your life, the power is back in your hands. And, and some people I find are more comfortable staying in that comfort zone, right? Like the familiar yeah. and, and by passing the power on to other people, they don't have to put themselves in the, the spotlight and, you know, it's easier. It's, uh, it's comfortable. Uh, and, and that's where we don't, we don't grow. We don't grow in the comfort zone. And that's what I try to tell people. Yeah. Yeah. No, so true. And switching gears it a, a little bit, but you know, it's mm-hmm. something that you've brought up a couple of times is the fact that you went to therapy and, mm-hmm. you know, I opened up about that as well. And it was something that I held a lot of shame around when mm-hmm. I first started going. And it was very interesting because I have a history of treating other people very differently than I treat myself. Mm-hmm. And so other people would go, you know, they would tell me that they're going to therapy. Uh, I would feel amazing for them. That's so good. You know, like sometimes I would, you know, encourage them to go, but for myself, you know, when the idea of going to therapy came up so much shame, it was like, well, that's mm-hmm. great for other people, but I don't need this. Yeah. And, you know, finally got to the point where it was just like, I, I can't work on some of these things by myself. I've mm-hmm. tried and nothing has changed. And it's kind of that idea of like the same things kept happening over and over and over again. And I knew that they were. And so I needed help. And still for the first, I think year or year and a half that I went to therapy, I told nobody. Mm -hmm. I didn't, you know, my sister is the person that is closest to me in my entire life. And I wouldn't tell her, Mm -hmm. even though she's gone to therapy. And, you know, um, I know that, you know, she'll accept me no matter who I am or what I do. I still couldn't tell her. And Mm -hmm. so um, I just, you know, I'd love to one, hear a little bit about your journey of, you know, going to therapy. And then um, two, one thing that I get asked a lot is people are curious about it. And they said, well, how did you find your therapist or how did you go about that? So if you could hit on both of those, that'd be amazing. For sure. Yeah. And I just want to say like, I'm still, I still go uh, not as frequently uh, as I did when I needed to, but uh, yeah, I'll touch on that for sure. I mean, very similar. Um, you know, I remember the first time I went was for marriage counseling. And, and for me, and it's all about mindset. So I'll touch on that too. But initially, I thought therapy was basically admitting that something's wrong with you. <laughs> it's like, oh, you've accepted defeat, especially with marriage counseling. It was like, okay, you've accepted defeat. And you're like, okay, we can't figure this out. Now we need help. And the word help meant like you couldn't do it. And my entire life, um, you know, I, I've been a high achiever and I've never, you know, until that point, I'd never sought help on anything. It was like, oh, I can do it myself. And that's the way my mom programmed me, right? It's like, you never depend on anyone, you know? So so I remember going for that first uh, appointment. I was just like, oh, this is brutal. I can't believe I'm here. And, um, you know, after a while, it started becoming normal. Like, you know, um, my ex and I, we were going for marriage counseling and it was great. Like, you know, 
once you start going, you realize, okay, there's another perspective here that I'm not seeing, you know? So now you're in a room where there's three different perspectives and it makes you realize that, okay, well, my way is maybe there's some truth to how I see things, but there's other truths in there. And it's really getting to that point where you start having your ego starts taking a back seat and you realize that, you know, for me, it was all about being humbled, right? Recognizing that, okay, I, yeah, I see things a certain way, but it doesn't mean it's right. And, and then when going through uh, the separation, I completely relied on therapy and that in itself was a journey. Um, it, it, it kind of followed different directions. Initially, I just needed someone who would just listen to me. Uh, and then it came to a point where after I was done venting, uh, I needed a therapist who would challenge me and stuff. Cause I was doing a lot of self reading and, and learning about myself where I needed someone who can challenge me on things and, and plant the seed. Right. So, so I went through, so this is like the second part of your question. Um, I started, uh, looking up different therapists and I would, I probably went through in a span of two years, maybe six different therapists. And until like, I would say maybe three years ago, I didn't find, like, I found one where I was like, okay, this person gets me now. And, and at the end of the day, you know, therapy, you also need to, it's a relationship between you and your therapist. And if you don't feel comfortable or if you feel like they're not uh, adding value in your sessions, then it's okay to, to change therapists. You're not, there's no way or you're obligated to them. And now that I'm studying the counseling program, I recognize that, you know, therapists are trained for that. You, you need to be able to identify whether or not you're adding value for your client um, so there's nothing like personal, right? If your client shows up one day and they're like, hey, you know what? This isn't working for me anymore. I'm probably going to go try someone else. You know, either you can recommend someone or you, you know, you wish them the best, right? So there's no obligation if you're a client that you need to stick with the same therapist. And that's what I try to tell people that, you know, maybe you need someone at a different point. And then as you evolve, um, you can feel free to change therapists. And like I said, I went through five or six until I found one that, okay, now I go um, once a month, once every two months, whenever I feel like um, there's certain things I need to work through. Uh, or if I'm getting triggered about something new that came up, uh, I'll go work through that with my therapist. And the way I try to normalize it for people with therapy is because like yourself, I carried a lot of shame initially, but I talk about it openly now. It, it's like, um, the analogy I use is it's like your car, right? If you don't take it in for servicing every three, four months, it's going to break down. And, and that's what you need to think about, even with your mental health. If you're not going to go in and do the, the checks or, or just get that or do the check-in with your therapist, things are going to start adding up. And then you're going to have to work through a lot more had you been a bit more proactive. For sure. Yeah. I love that one. I haven't heard that one before. So I'm going to add that to the repertoire. Like for me, the one that I really grabbed onto was the personal trainer um, comparison, mm -hmm. right? Of you don't look at somebody at the gym who has a personal trainer 
and you're like, oh, look at them. They need help, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, they've failed. They need help with their, you know, physical health is no, it's, you know, it's a professional that helps you out, that elevates it, um, that is trained, that is no, knows more than you. Um, and, you know, that's the one that I've really grabbed onto. And it was so important what you were saying is it's a relationship as well. And you need mm -hmm. different people at different times. And, you know, that's one of my biggest pieces of advice to people is make sure, you know, just because they're a therapist doesn't mean that they're right for you. Mm -hmm. and you know go and talk to them and see if you know how it feels see if it you know they understand you if they seem like they can give you what you need um and if you feel safe in that environment because sometimes you don't with mm -hmm. certain people absolutely you know and another really interesting part of it is even you know if you take you know it's included in there but therapeutic relationships can be with a therapist they can also be friendships mm -hmm. um and what happened and has been happening a lot in my romantic relationships is I have had to be very conscious about not having my romantic relationships turn into therapeutic relationships. And yeah. it's, something, it's something that I've worked and I still haven't figured out completely. Um, but, you know, one of the things that my therapist tells me, she goes in therapeutic relationships, one person will always outgrow the other. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's true with, again, therapists, with friendships, with, romantic relationships, if they were based on that therapeutic side of things, if that is the base of the relationship, um, eventually you'll outgrow, outgrow your, or sorry, your therapist. And yes. so setting up romantic relationships in that way sets them up for failure eventually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I don't know. No. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, yeah, it's, you, you need to be able to create that distinction for sure. Um, and, and that's where, you know, for me, it resonates when I say, you know, I've taken on that caretaker role, right? You, you cannot rescue someone. Um, and, and, you know, people talk about taking on projects and stuff like uh, you need to be in romantic relationships. The way I look at it is like you need to be two independent entities that come together, right? And, and you kind of do your own. I mean, you grow together, but you also do your own, go on, have your independent journey of growth. And, and that's where one person is either doing self-learning or whatever, uh, or if they need to go for therapy, that's all independent. Uh, and again, you can be honest with each other on, on what your growth is based on, uh, but you cannot rely on each other for, for that to help, as you mentioned. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's such a, there's so many intricacies and especially with romantic relationships, there's so many layers to them. Um, mm -hmm. And it's one that I definitely haven't figured out, but I'm, I'm working towards in different, <laughs> different ways now. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I do want to mention one thing about therapy and, you know, for people that are still kind of, again, if there's a stigma around it, the only other thing I will mention is therapists are human too. They're not experts. Yes, they have knowledge that they can help you with but at the end of the day they're also human so that's the thing you need to keep in your mind when you do go for therapy is like they're not going to fix you right away uh, they're going to help you and guide you uh, but at the end of the day you know you're an equal participant as much as they are and and then if you know you again if you feel like you're not getting enough value out of it yeah go for find another therapist but don't go in thinking that oh this person is just going to like 
fix me. And, and, you know, if you're really digging deep and you're uncovering a lot of childhood stuff, um, or, or even dealing with something that may have happened recently, recognize that one session is not going to fix it. <laughs> and, and that's where I think a lot of people get caught up is like, they'll go for one session. They're like, well, that didn't work. And it's like, well, either the therapist wasn't great for you, or this is a deep layered issue that you need to spend a lot of time. And I remember when I was going through some of my childhood stuff, it took me a good two months of going once a week and really digging deep. So, you know, understand that it is also a commitment. For sure. And I'm so glad that you, that you brought this up because to your point, one of my, one of the things I've come to realize, and I tell people a lot as well is at the end of the day, if you are not willing and ready to change, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. you know, where you go, what kind of work you do, what kind of book you read. If you aren't willing to truly change and put that work in, yes, you can improve. You can make, you know, minor changes. You can, mm-hmm. um, things can be a little bit better. Um, but there's no magic bullet. There's no, you know, do these four steps and it'll magically be okay. Or, yeah. you know, go for one session and everything will be fixed. Yeah. And I think, an interesting one that has come up very recently in conversations that I've had is explaining that to people um, who are trying to support those around them, mm-hmm. who have a friend that's struggling or their partner or whatever it might be. And, you know, just reminding them that if that person is not actually willing to do the work, if that person is not willing to change, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how much effort you put in. It doesn't matter how much time you spend. Things aren't going to change. Yeah. 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 And I, that's the other, I mean, I, I use another, <laughs> I'm full of analogies, but a uh, sports analogy I use is, you know, like if you're a professional athlete, you, you know, your coach is going to sit with you and go over the game plan and you can sit there and practice the game plan with the coach all you want. But until you don't go, like, if you're a hockey player, until you don't execute on the ice, like, there's nothing to show for it, right? And, and that ultimately what happens is, like, you know, you, with your therapist, too, it's, or, or your partners, you know, you can talk about all the things you're going to work on, but then you also have to go execute it on your own. Um, you know, no one's going to be there holding your hand. So it's recognizing that, yeah, there's a lot of things you can learn about yourself, but you need to go do it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, switching it up a little bit is I was watching one of your videos and it really struck home for me. And you talked about, you know, negative beliefs about yourself mm-hmm. and one of them being, you know, I'm not worthy of love. Mm-hmm. And that is something that I struggled with most of my life, which I didn't know. I didn't realize that, you know, that's kind of what drove me. And that's why I was seeking so much approval. That's why I needed um, to be, you know, quote unquote, perfect. And Mm -hmm. perfectionism kind of ran my life. And again, you know, like I mentioned earlier, of becoming the person that I thought that person wanted me to be. Mm -hmm. And as, you know, through several years of going through a lot of these things, and again, taking back to my childhood and, you know, peeling back all the different layers, realizing for myself just how low of a view I had on myself, how low my self-worth was. Mm-hmm. And 
so I'm curious, um, you know, how you started to tackle that of feeling like you're worthy, you know, like trying to combat that, that negative view of yourself of I'm not worthy of love. What were some of the steps that you took or what was your journey around that? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's still a journey I'm on. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I think, yeah, people need to recognize that, you know, you, you've been a certain person for 15, 20, 25 years. So you're programmed a certain way and it's really hard to rewire, right? So, so uh, you know, despite me recognizing, you know, the, the, the patterns I've carried in relationships, it's still a lot of work to rewire myself. And um, it, it, you know, it takes a lot of time and effort. And I guess for me, it was recognizing to, to your, you know, very similar to you, um, bending over backwards or, or trying to get that approval um, and almost not being yourself. And, and when you're not being yourself, are you really happy deep down inside? You're not, because you don't, yeah, you're just trying to be someone else to get someone's approval. And then when you get that approval, it's empty because you're, you're, you're constantly chasing something that is not achievable. So, so I think, you know, one of the things I tell people, um, especially when you're going into relationships, is being very honest up front. And that's probably the hardest part because, you know, you meet someone new and things are amazing. You're in this honeymoon phase. You don't want to rock the boat. You don't want to have these difficult conversations because you're worried that you're going to scare them away. Um, and then you kind of fall into this pattern now and you've set the standard of what person you're going to be and what person they're going to be and then it becomes a lot more difficult to to bring about change in the the relationship dynamics so as hard as it is I think if the other person is willing to have this conversation with you then that in itself is a sign that this person has done their work they're confident and they're willing to to build a good foundation with you but it's being very firm on your boundaries and saying okay this is who I am these are the things that I am willing to negotiate on and work with. And these are my hard no's. And if that person can't accept it, then they're not the right person for you. But you cannot change yourself to make it, you know, to accept something that you're just not comfortable with. And yeah. that's where we people get lost because then they start compromising on their boundaries. And that's you know, then you start falling into this well that you're just trying to crawl out of because now you've set the standard. Now, all of a sudden, say six months into the relationship, you're like, you know what? I cannot accept this or this doesn't work for me. And the other person's like, well, why is this coming up now? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, so I think when, when you, <clears throat> your self-worth is something you are going to define. That's why it's self worth and if you're not sending boundaries uh, around how you want to be treated <clears throat> if you're not uh, leading by example and showing like role modeling for the other person of how you want to be treated how can you expect them to know different they're not going to read your mind and that's the key right you need to lead by example so if you're going to have porous boundaries then the other person's going to keep pushing them because that's all you've modeled for them. Yeah. And then you can sit there and get mad at them, but the person you really need to focus on is yourself. So 
I know this is like easier said than done because if it was easy, I would obviously not be struggling myself. So, but those are the things you need to focus on. And I think those are things you need to, to identify from the, the onset of the relationship. And, and if you scare the other person away, then that's not your fault. It's not your fault that the other person got scared away because you were being honest. So I don't know if that answers your question, but. No, it's huge. And it touches on so many, so many different things that are important and having those non-negotiables for yourself and something that I'm still trying to determine because, you know, it was for most of my life, I lived from, and I came from that place of, mm -hmm. I need this acceptance. I will mm -hmm. you know, gain this acceptance at any cost. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, taking a step back and looking at it, what are, what are my non-negotiables? Mm -hmm. You know, what are my, um, you know, if this happens or like, this is specifically what I'm looking for. And if it's not there, then this relationship isn't for me, which scares mm -hmm. the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I think a part of it and myself included is that fear of being alone. Yeah. Right. So you're like, oh, if this person leaves me, um, then I'm going to be alone. Yeah. And, you know, again, it, it's easier to say this, but would you rather be unhappy and compromise everything you value over being alone? I, I don't know. I mean, it, there, there is something like when you're alone, like for me, for example, I've made a list of my non-negotiables now and it's like, okay, you know, you kind of make a list of the things you want in a relationship and the things you don't want. And then you kind of like have that conversation with yourself too. It's like, which ones am I willing to budge on? And which ones are like the absolutely like non-negotiable, like I'm not going to budge on. And, and it's understanding that. And yeah, you know, you could say, oh, now you're like creating, like you're getting picky and you're creating like, you know, if you've got a pool size of 10 women, now you've just basically limited yourself to two. I, I could see that argument too, but at the end of the day, you know, like you, you have to be authentic with yourself. Otherwise you're not doing any justice to your partner or yourself. If you're just uh, compromising it on things that you believe in. Yeah. And you know, it's, I think it's a lot of old programming and old messaging and, you know, it's something that I identified coming from my parents mm -hmm. of very both conscious and unconscious messaging to me my entire life of you make do mm -hmm. right things aren't going to be great mm -hmm. you know they're they'll only be okay and that's a and that's you know what you strive for it's impossible to be happy it's you know it mm -hmm. you'll settle with your partner you'll settle with your job work will always turn into work and you'll hate it mm -hmm. um, and having to say no to that right mm -hmm. and going back to the you know what you were saying before of well yes you might have narrowed down that pool a little bit but isn't it better to explore things with those two women that meet you know what you're looking for as opposed to you know going into a relationship that you're just okay with or you're not actually happy about and mm -hmm. I feel like that's where a lot of these problems come down the road, right? You mm -hmm. hear about a lot of midlife crises or whatever it might be. And, you know, in, in my opinion, I think a lot of it comes from not dealing with those issues at the beginning 
and telling yourself things will change or telling yourself that, you know, either you're being ridiculous or you shouldn't do that, whatever it might be. And, Mm -hmm. you know, touching on boundaries, like you brought up a really interesting shift in perspective was, I don't remember where I heard it, but, you know, really internalizing the ideas that people's response to your boundary are their response and are not a reflection on you. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, that, that really switched things up in my mind and in my thinking. Yeah. It's, I mean, like, again, it's like, you know, you've, you've got a door uh, for your home and, and if someone gets mad at like at the door being locked, that's not your problem. <laughs> you know, you're protecting yourself. You, you have certain like uh, rules and, and if someone can't, accept that that's on them that's not on you and that doesn't mean you like all of a sudden open your door up and let people come in just because you're worried about approval right and and it takes a lot of work and and shifting your mindset um and you know and same same as you like those things were modeled for me by my parents that you know you just compromise 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 and yeah there's certain things you can but other things that are your non-negotiables you can't Um, And then the other thing I want to mention, which is, I think, really important that people, I don't know if a lot of people think of it this way, but um, at the end of the day, it's not your partner's responsibility to to make you happy. Yes. So happiness is something you need to find within yourself. And, you know, if you and your partner can both find it within yourselves, you're coming together. Uh, but your happiness is not dependent on someone else. It's not someone else's responsibility to make you happy. And if you're not happy with who you are, they can try all they want. It's just, they'll never get there. So, so recognize that, you know, you show up to a relationship whole, complete, someone that loves themselves and are happy and content with themselves. And then the other person shows up and together you can grow. But it's not my job to make someone happy and it's not theirs to make me happy. Huge, huge point. And something that I've, I've, I had to do a lot of work around as well. And that idea that, you know, I'll find somebody that completes me or mm-hmm. I'll find, you know, that, that kindred spirit that like, you know, compliments every mm-hmm. single thing about me, that there's the perfect person out there, that there's one person that will solve all of my problems. And one of my favorite quotes is relationships aren't 50, 50, they're 100, 100. And mm-hmm. that speaks exactly to your point of it has to be two full individuals entering into a partnership. Cause if you're looking for that other person to fill you up or to, you know, make you happy or, complete you, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. um, you're going to be set up for failure because yeah. you have to do that work on your own. Both people do. Yeah, for sure. And, and I see it a lot where, again, that fear of being alone that I talked about earlier, you see a lot of people just jumping from one relationship to the other. And then, you know, things go sideways and they're like, oh, okay, well, this person wasn't right. And it's like, how many people do you actually see that spend that time alone for a while? Uh, and there's no set timelines, but really alone for a while, understanding themselves. Like, you know, if you don't understand yourself, uh, what your boundaries are, what makes you happy, what you want in life, how can you expect to go into a relationship and understand that about someone else? Yeah. So like spend that time really getting to know yourself and, and 
understanding your triggers and what the source of those triggers are and where did they come from and healing yourself and really knowing what are the things you want in life and what makes you happy and find that happiness within yourself like love yourself first before you can go love another person and and it's important and and I know a lot of people struggle with that and you know the tendency is to jump from a relationship to another and and you know I mean this is we could talk about this for hours, but you know, with the, the world we live in currently with online dating and everything, it doesn't make it easy because it's right at our fingertips, but spend that time really knowing yourself. So then you can, you know, you know what you want in a relationship. For sure. And, you know, I think another important point is to realize that, you know, as we talk about knowing yourself and, you know, stepping in as a complete, you know, individual, there, there is, you know, I think a key point as well of there is not a finish line. There's mm-hmm. not a specific point that you get to that you're like, okay, now I'm ready. Right. Yeah. Or now I'm done. I would say, cause there is, yes, I'm ready for a relationship. There's not, I've, I've done enough work. <laughs> I've yeah. completed myself. So now I can go into relationship because the story I told myself was just that for a very long time. It was, you know, as I started digging into this stuff, as I started doing the work, of course, at the beginning, I needed that time to be alone. I needed that time to work on myself, to understand myself. And as it went on, I used it as an excuse. Oh, I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. Like I need to be complete. I need to be finished. I need to be, mm-hmm. you know, the done before I step into a relationship stepping in as a full individual as 100% you and understanding yourself does not mean that you're done the work it doesn't mean mm-hmm. that you figured everything out it means mm-hmm. that you, you at least to me it means yep. that you know you have some self awareness you you understand yourself and you don't need that person that person mm-hmm. can elevate you that person can help you that person can walk beside you on that journey mm-hmm. uh, but that person can't take the journey for you yeah person, no i I agree hundred percent. And, and that's what I try to remind myself, but also tell other people is this, this journey is never ending. Right. And, and I think the, the biggest humbling moment came for me when I was in therapy and, you know, I dealt with all these childhood issues and I was like, Oh, wow. You know, I've done so much and I feel so much better. And I think I finally figured it out. And then I remember like a few months later, something else triggered me and And for me, that was recognizing that, you know, there's going to be, I'm going to heal something from the past, but something new is going to come up and it's going to trigger me. And that's how life is. You're going to continue on this journey of growth and it's going to be a never ending life experience of of learning. And and yeah, you can't tell yourself that, hey, I'm going to be this complete person and go into a relationship. And, you know, the way dynamics work is there's going to be sometimes your partner is going to trigger you in different ways that you didn't even know existed. And that's when you need to be um, vulnerable and honest with yourself and your partner saying, hey, you know, this is what came up for me in this situation. um, And I want to work through this. Right. But yeah, yeah. It's like agreeing with everything you said about wanting to be whole and then going into a relationship because that's never going to happen. Yeah. Um, we are running out of time here. Um, so before we kind of wrap, I, I was curious if there was anything we didn't get to that you wanted to talk about, 
Um, yeah, just anything that's on your mind. <laughs> no, I think we, we touched on many things. So this was great. So yeah, nothing else to add at this point. Awesome. Um, and then if people are curious and people want to follow you or connect with you, what would be the best places for them to do that? Yeah. So I think the best is, uh, my Instagram. So my Instagram account is, uh, at, you know, as Zen. So it's spelled E U N O I A Z E N. And then my website is, you know, So either or works, but yeah, uh, that's kind of the best way to find me. Perfect. And I'll put that in the notes as well, but yeah. Um, before I let you go, I just, I just wanted to say, um, you know, I, I, I appreciate the vulnerability. Uh, it's so important, you know, putting your story out there, talking about some of these subjects that not a lot of people talk about, especially as men, um, but in general as well. And, you know, offering, offering a safe space and letting those people know that they're not alone. Um, so I wanted to thank you for that. And the last question that I ask everybody who comes on here um, is what does the next phase in your journey look like? And you can kind of take that any way you want, professionally, personally, um, whatever comes to mind. Um, the next phase, I, I guess it's just, it's, it's hard to say, but uh, for me, it's still continuing on this uh, journey of growth. Uh, I'm still discovering more and more about myself. And um, I think the biggest piece I try to remind people is uh, stay humble, right? don't forget where you were. Um, because like for me, I remember being facing adversity and, and how hard it was. And I know that I could also be back in that position again. So it's just being humble and continuing to learn and, and not tell myself that I figured it all out. Amazing. Love that. Yeah. And I want to thank you, Jared. Thanks for having me on. And thank you for being vulnerable as well. It, it you know, it obviously, uh, if, if there's no shared space, then it's hard to have these conversations. So, so thank you as well. I appreciate you saying that. Um, you're welcome. And I can't wait to connect soon because yeah. Um, yeah, I think we still have a lot to talk about. So yeah, we do. We do. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to the podcast. We'd love to hear any feedback that you have through Instagram at Jared Salikin or by email Jared at Jared as well as it really would mean the world to me if you liked and subscribed to the podcast. Thanks so much.